We, we get to finish and wrap up Ecclesiastes this week. It's been fun. It's been awesome. It's been great. It's been just such a joy reading through Ecclesiastes, hearing that everything in this life is meaningless, right? Everything under the sun is meaningless. But that word meaningless is actually, we, we don't like that translation. I don't think that that captures the essence of what Ecclesiastes is saying. The actual word there is hevel. Kids, can you say hevel? All right, a month ago, when you were in here with us, those of you who were in here, do you remember the way that we explained what hevel means? Now I'm gonna do it again because this is the last week of Ecclesiastes and it's my last chance I get to play with bubbles up here. Okay, so kids, do you remember this at all? Those of you who are here? All right, so I'm gonna blow some bubbles out and I want you to try to catch them, okay? Let's see who can catch these bubbles. Why would they make the wand not small enough to fit through the hole there? There we go. Catch some bubbles. Whoever catches the bubble and can hold it for three seconds or longer gets a prize. Anyone? Will, you can participate. You want to catch a bubble? There you go, buddy. We're having fun here today, guys. I'm just going to do this for 30 minutes, and then we're going to go home, and we're going to pray. Did anyone catch one? All right, there's one last chance, okay? Oh, that was a bad one. Hold on. There you go. No, sorry, guys. Good try. I don't believe you. <laughs> Give them a hand, you guys, as they go back to their seats. Good job, kids. Okay. Okay, we'll find out later. I got bubble juice all over my shirt now. Look at that. Bubble juice. It'll dry. Don't worry. My hands feel all slimy now. All right, so kids and adults, if you remember, we were talking about bubbles last month. You were in here with us because it's a good picture of what the preacher in the book of Ecclesiastes means when he says hevel. The word that we say meaningless for when we read it in the Bible is actually this word that really means more like a vapor. It's, it's a breath. It's like smoke. It's like it's there. You could see it. It's real, but it's gone before you know it. Like a bubble. Trying to catch that bubble. Trying to grab a hold of it and keep it, but it's gone just like that. And that's what he's saying most things in his words under the sun are like. Under the sun means Everything in this world, everything in this life, everything underneath the sun is hevel. It's like bubbles. It's there. It's real. You can enjoy it and you should enjoy it. But before you know it, it's gone. And in fact, he even throughout this book of Ecclesiastes says that your very life is like that. It's like a bubble. Your very life is there where it's good. You should enjoy it. One day you're young, and the next day you're not. One day you're here, and the next day you're not. Right? Do you have a question, buddy? Yes. I'm not afraid to, to field questions. Go ahead. What is it? Ooh, he said, how would you explain that life is hevel if it takes sometimes a really long time for life to pass? That's a really good question. And sometimes, and especially when we're young, we feel like life, dude, I feel like, this is going to sound like I planted him there for that question because you just set me up great, buddy. When you're young, 
you feel like life is forever. Like, man, life is good. It's going to be forever. Like, I'm young. I'm invincible. Uh, I got my whole life ahead of me. 20 years old is so old. Like, when I get to that age, man, I'm going to have done so much in my life, right? But before you know it, you've lost all your hair. And you're looking back going, how did time pass so quickly? In the reality, in the scheme of things, in the span of existence, that means from the time God created things, Raga, to the time that Jesus will finally return, that's a really long time. But for God, it's like that. Because God has always existed and will always exist. And our time on this earth, even if you live to be 99 years old, is like a blip in the timeline of all of creation. And to help explain what I'm talking about, I actually was thinking about this last week when Anthony was teaching through Ecclesiastes uh, 11, 7 through 12, 7. If you didn't hear that, if you weren't here for that, I encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast because he did a fantastic job with it. But he was looking at, at the end of chapter 11 how uh, the, the preacher is talking about our young age and enjoying the days of your youth. And then in the beginning of chapter 12, he starts talking about your old age and how that sneaks up on you and how all of us will get old. And I was thinking about that and my sister, my youngest sister, uh, she's one of six kids and she's the only girl and she's the youngest. So pray for her. But she sent me, she texted Bethany and I a picture of me when I was about six years old. Uh, And I think I have that picture up here. That's a cute kid, right? Who just said that? Right? That's exactly what she said. She said, that's not you, buddy. She said, this is like Liam's twin. And I looked at that. I'm like, wow, that, that does kind of look like Liam. But then, <laughs> but, it's, but it's his dad. But then Bethany's cousin was watching our kids this week, and she sent a picture of Liam to us, of him building some Legos. And so I put them side by side. I mean, that really does look pretty similar, doesn't it? <laughs> he, he wants you to know he made a dragon. That's what he's holding on there. I, I cropped it out. You can't see it out of Legos. But look at that. Even, even when I was his age, he still has more hair than me. <laughs> but I was looking at that, and it was blowing my mind because I was like, wow, we really do look very similar. And I remember when that picture was taken of me, and we don't look anything alike now because all of my hair has migrated down to my face from my head. And then I started thinking, that doesn't feel like it was that long ago. And it's not going to feel like that long before Liam looks more like me now. Sorry, buddy. This is what you have to look forward to. (laughs) And I started looking more like how my dad is now. And before long, my dad won't be here. And then I won't be here. And my sons will be grown men with their own children. And life really does move that quickly, Raya. It's very fleeting. It's like a bubble. One moment it's here, the next moment it's gone. And so we've been hearing this all throughout Ecclesiastes. And you may be going, man, that is super depressing. And we got our kids in here. Like, let's lighten the mood a little bit, Chris, right? But we're, as we're coming to the end of Ecclesiastes, in the end of chapter 12, What we're seeing here is the big payoff, and it's been traced throughout the book, and we've been doing our best to try to point it out, but really he hits it home today that there is a point to all of this. And so turn with me to Ecclesiastes 12, verse 8.
And we're going to read verses 8 through 14. I'm going to pray. And then we'll get into it. This is what he writes. And if you remember, this is what was written at the very beginning in chapter 1, verse 2. This is the bookend to all that the preacher had to say. Bubbles, bubbles. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. Not only was the teacher wise, but he also imparted knowledge to the people. He pondered and searched out and set in order many proverbs. The teacher searched to find just the right words, and what he wrote was upright and true. The words of the wise are like goads. They're collected sayings like firmly embedded nails given by one shepherd. Be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them. Of making many books there is no end, and much study wearies the body. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. This is it. Are you listening? Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. This is God's word. Father, we pray that you would open up our hearts, our minds, our ears, our souls, to hear, receive, and be transformed by your word this morning. Spirit, that you would do a miraculous work inside of us that would change our affections from chasing after bubbles and things that pass in this world to chasing after you who will be forever and ever. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So verse eight, as I said, we get this bookend of all that the preacher had to say. And he says, everything's fleeting, everything is here and gone, all of it everything under the sun that you're chasing after. And like I said, we can look at that and we can go, man, that, that sounds really depressing, right? Like, then what is the point? What is life all about? I almost started this morning by having the kids all ask adults around them, like, hey, kids, ask the adult next to you, what is your life about? Uh, but then I was worried I was gonna put you guys on the spot and you'd be really angry at me later if you felt like you got it wrong. So, but that is kind of the question here that the preacher in Ecclesiastes is asking us is, What is life about? And what he's done is he's laid out for us how he has searched and searched and he's gone through everything. He's tried pleasure, money, success, friends, everything in life you could imagine that you can make your life about and be happy by. And he said none of them have really worked. Yes, there were good things and and you should enjoy those good things while they're here, but none of them last. And so what do you do after that? But instead of these words being depressing, instead of these words being hopeless, that's not what the preacher's trying to do at all. In fact, there's a, Phil Reichen says that when you get to the end of Ecclesiastes, you see not that everything in life is pointless, but that everything in life matters. Everything really does matter. And that's been our theme through Ecclesiastes is this is why a life with God matters. Life without God meaningless. Life with God, all of it matters and is important. And in fact, that's why the preacher's words are not meant to bring you down, but they're actually meant to spur you on to something great. This is what he says. 
Not only was a teacher wise, but he also imparted knowledge to the people. He pondered and searched out and set in order many proverbs. And he searched to find just the right words. What he wrote was upright and true. This is a man who's very skilled in what he does with his words. And he's working painstakingly. He's working very hard to craft his words in just the right way to make sure that it accomplishes what he wants them to accomplish. So these words have a point. These words have a meaning to them. And they're supposed to actually do something in our life. Look at this. This is what it says in verse 11. The words, this is what they're supposed to do. The words of the wise are like goads. What are goads? Kids, do you know what a goad is? Not a goat. No, a goad, a G-O-A-D. What is a goad? I, I wish that they would use another translation here for goad. I, yeah, I didn't know either. I had to look it up. I wish there was another translation there because who knows what a goad is, but it's actually like a cattle prod. Do you know what a cattle prod is? Okay, so a goad or a cattle prod was this long stick with a point at the end that you would use to poke animals to get them to go where they need to go. And so a goad actually looked like a shepherd's staff, you know, like your, your candy canes were made to look like a shepherd's staff. So a shepherd's staff with a little hook on it and with a pointed stick also on the end. And so they would use that to kind of grab them and pull them over if they're trying to herd them somewhere and they're going off the path, going the wrong way. And they would use the pointed stick to poke them if they weren't moving at all, right? Now, you, you kids might understand this if you have siblings. Like, sometimes you poke and prod at your siblings, right? At your brothers and sisters, trying to get a reaction out of them. Or maybe you don't. Maybe you do this. I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you, right? But you're like right there in their face. And so we, we do this a lot. We, we prod at people. We try to get them to do things. But when you're doing that to your brother or sister, it's usually not in a good way, right? Like you're trying to, you're trying to provoke anger. And the Bible says don't provoke anger, okay? So what, what the preacher's talking about here is a shepherd would try to prod an animal to go in the right way, to go in the way they're supposed to be, to stay with the herd and stay with the shepherd who is caring for them. And what we're seeing here is that these words from Ecclesiastes are meant to help move us in the right direction, to help get us going in the way that we are supposed to go. And I think God does that sometimes with life itself too, with everything under the sun that the preacher has been experiencing. Not just with the words, although everything in this Bible is meant to do that for us. Is meant to help move us in the right direction where we should go, to be engaged in God's mission, right? As we talked about. But sometimes God uses life circumstances to do that as well. Sometimes different things happen in our life, and we have this option of going, man, this is really depressing. Man, I, I, I don't know why you're doing this to me, God. Man, I can't even deal with this right now, right? That, that was one option we had in reading through Ecclesiastes. And then what's the point of all this? But no, his words were meant to do something else. Not to depress you and make you sulk and sit, but to move you in the direction of the Lord. And sometimes when those things happen in our life, that can be used as a prodding, a goad, 
to get you moving in the direction of the Lord, closer to him and closer to where he wants you to be in life. And so his words are causing movement in us, but they themselves are actually very stable, very firm and consistent. This is what he says. Not only are the words like goads or cattle prods, but they're collected sayings like firmly embedded nails. Now these aren't like these cheap little nails that uh, I use on my projects sometimes at home. These are like really strong, firmly embedded nails that you cannot get out of something. We did a wall in our house that we covered with pallet wood. And the hardest part about that was ripping the wood off of the pallets. Because the nails, they were like almost screw-like. They were ribbed nails. And so they had these, uh, I don't know, these, these ripples throughout them. And so when they're in, they're in. And it's really hard to get those nails back out. And so I spent probably days, and I got maybe three pallets taken apart. I needed to get about 10 taken apart. And I finally got wise and said, oh, I got a saw. I'm just going to go and cut these. And, and that went a lot faster. But trying to take those nails out of the wood was in, incredibly difficult. And what he's saying is the words of the wise, the words that come from God, who is wisdom, are firmly embedded nails. There's something you can hang on to even in the midst of a life that is constantly moving. Even when you're going through things in life that it just feels like, man, everything around me is changing. Everything around me is shaky. I don't really know what to do in this season of my life. I don't know where to go, but I can hold on firmly to the words of the Lord. They're firmly embedded. They're not going anywhere. And when I cling to them, I will also be able to stand still. It's kind of like, kids, imagine if you were in a river and the current just took you away. It was going really, really fast. And so like you're being pushed by the water down the river and you don't know what to do, but you finally see this tree branch and you can grab a hold of it. But the tree branch breaks, right? Those are sometimes in life we hold on to things that aren't meant to be firm and stable. We hold on to the bubbles of life. They don't last and they don't keep us steady. The things that we put our hope in, for adults, maybe it's our job. Maybe it's our kids, our spouse. Maybe it's the relationships with our family we grew up with. Maybe it's friends. Maybe it's your church community even. Those are all good things. They're blessings from the Lord. Sometimes we, we hold on to other things that aren't so good in life, to our addictions, right? To the, the temporary quick fixes to make us feel good in the moment. But man, when you're going down that river and you see like there's a boulder there with handles on it and you can just grab onto that and the, the current is trying to push you, but you're steady, you're firm, you're holding on to that thing and it's not going anywhere, so neither are you. That's when you hold on to the words of the Lord that are firmly embedded. And so the word of the Lord is meant to move you, but is steady itself. And so it's moving you toward him. This is why Ecclesiastes says both of these things are given by the same shepherd. The words are like goads meant to push you along and like firmly embedded nails that will not move themselves both of them given by the one and same shepherd. And in fact, in a lot of translations, that word shepherd is capitalized because 
he's speaking very clearly about a particular shepherd. Do you know which shepherd he's speaking of, kids? God. Yeah. We know Jesus is the true shepherd, right? Jesus hasn't come yet in this part of the story. In this part of the story, what we're looking at, everything God created was good. All of it got messed up by people rebelling against God. But they were given this promise, this hope that one day someone would come and rescue them. That hasn't happened for Ecclesiastes yet. Jesus hasn't entered the scene. But we see in other places, we see that God himself is called the shepherd. Let's look at Psalm 23. I think I have that for us on the slides. Psalm 23. This is written by King David. I want you just to hear these words. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. That means, kids, there's nothing that he needs that he doesn't have. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. That means he gives us rest. And in green pastures for an animal, that also meant food. He provides for me. And he lets me rest. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. This is all good movement. Man, if you're using a a cattle prod to point me into that direction, I'm in. Take me there, right? He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, many translations you've read this, through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil for you, God, my shepherd. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, that's the goad, they comfort me. This is the shepherd that we have who uses prodding and poking that can seem painful at times to lead us in the right way but as a firm, firmly embedded foundation for all of us, no matter what we're going through in life, through the deepest, darkest valleys or the greatest highs of life, we have this kind of shepherd. What is the thing that you're faced with right now that you're trying to put your hope in something fleeting like a bubble? Something fleeting like a breath, a vapor, smoke? That when everything goes wrong, you turn to, name your, name your vice. Is it food? Is it checking out and vegging and watching Netflix? Is it something even more physically dangerous than that? Is it a person that you run to and go, I just, I just need this person to hold me and tell me it's okay. As we were this week, as we completely had our plans just flipped upside down, God was using this to goad Bethany and I and her family. We got a call that while her parents were visiting her sister in Knoxville, Tennessee, her dad had a stroke and had to go into the hospital. And then while he was in the hospital doing some physical therapy, trying to go up and down some steps, he had a series of multiple strokes hit him all at once, which they thought was a massive stroke. 
And they, they called this code and everybody on that floor came rushing in. He ended up losing movement of all of his right side of his body. He was unable to speak. When he could, it was one word responses. Um, sometimes they didn't make sense. And we thought, this could be, this could be it. Either, either losing him in his life or losing him in his personality and who he has always been. And what's crazy about this is this is a man who we would all go to whenever we were in need. Whenever we were in trouble or had a question about something or I needed a project done around my house that I didn't know how to do because I don't know how to pull nails out of a pallet board sometimes. This was the guy that we would call. He could come and he could help us. And here he is now and he, he can't go to the bathroom by himself. Now thank God by his grace, he's doing much better now. Uh, he has movement in his body again. He's been discharged from the hospital, flies back home on Tuesday. We'll do some physical therapy, can speak, can understand everything. He's coming back. That is God's goodness and grace. But as we're sitting there in the hospital and I'm listening to my mother-in-law talk about losing possibly her best friend, losing the ability even for those few days to be able to have a conversation with him, and as she's going through that, of course there's pain, of course there's tears, but she says, God is good. And God is using this bad to do something good. And if he's using this because it's gonna somehow push Jeff and I to be closer to him, then amen. See, we, we need to step back sometimes and see the greater thing that God's doing. They told us in his recovery, there will be good days and there will be bad days. Do not measure his recovery by the days, but measure it by the months. You have to zoom back out a little bit and see the fuller picture because this day was really good. This day is really bad, but what you're seeing over a few months is it's gradually moving in the right direction. And life is like that for us sometimes. That we go into these seasons and we go, God, why are you doing this? Why is this happening to me? Why am I walking through the valley of the shadow of death, the deepest, darkest valley? And he says, well, that's the way I gotta take you to get over here. I gotta take you through this to get you to this spot, to get you to the green pastures, to get you to the quiet, still waters, to refresh your soul. Remember, this is just a season. It's all fleeting. It's all bubbles. Even what seems like a lifetime, like Raya pointed out, is very, very short in the grand scheme of things. And what God is doing over time and throughout eternity is he is doing an amazing, incredible work to restore those who trust in him and to renew all of his creation. And not only does he lead you to green pastures and quiet waters, but the shepherd himself will be there with you through all of it. And so in light of that, in light of that, the narrator ends Ecclesiastes by saying this. Look, we said everything we had to say. The end of the matter, all has been heard in verse 13. Enough said. This is what you need to remember. After all of these 12 chapters of Ecclesiastes, remember this. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the duty of all mankind. That's it. 
Enjoy your life. Enjoy the gifts God has given you. Enjoy your years and your youth. Enjoy the years in your old age. But through it all, fear God, keep his commandments. What is your life about? What are you going after? What's that next thing you gotta get so that you can enjoy life? What's the thing you're looking for in your job? What's the thing you're looking for in a community? What are you chasing after? He says, all those things, I've tried it all. Some of them are good. They won't last. Only God is the firmly embedded nail who will remain forever. So fear God, obey his commandments. When we say fear God, kids, we're not talking about being afraid of him like, uh, like something scary, right? We're not saying cowering, going, oh, God, please don't hurt me. Here's what's crazy is God, God can just squash us like a bug. And God has every right to because we've, we've ignored him like we read earlier. We've turned away from him. We've looked for joy in other things besides him. But God is the good shepherd who wants to restore you, who wants to give you good things. And so fearing God doesn't mean cowering and being afraid. The, fear, the word fear used in the Bible to talk about fearing God is talking about respecting God, having a, this is a big word, having a reverence for God. It means acknowledging who God is and how great and mighty and powerful he is, but also how good he is. Like when your parents ask you to do something, Hopefully you do it, maybe not always, because you're not perfect, right? But in those times you do it, hopefully you're doing it for a number of reasons. Hopefully you're doing it because you respect mom and dad. Hopefully you're doing it because you know mom and dad love you and they know what's best for you. And hopefully there's also a little bit of, I'm gonna do this too because I don't wanna get in trouble. That's a reality. And God gives us all those things. God is a great, amazing, powerful God that we must respect because there's no one as powerful as him. And yet God is a loving God who lovingly pursues us and calls us to be with him. But he's also a just God who says, when you turn from me, when you try to run away, best believe I'm getting that goad. I'm gonna pull you back. And if you run away completely, there are consequences. There's warnings in that. That's what a good parent does. That's what a good shepherd does. And just to make absolutely clear on this, that you know what kind of fear we're called to give to God. This is coming from Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 12 and 13, it says to fear the Lord and obey his commandments. And it says to do it with all of your heart, your mind, your soul. I pointed the wrong spots when I said it. Your heart, your mind, your soul. We also see in Deuteronomy 5, the same command is given to love God with all of your heart, mind, and soul. Jesus says this again in Matthew when he's asked, what's the, what's the greatest command, the, the biggest thing we need to follow? What's the biggest rule, kids? He says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. 
You see, fearing God and loving God are very connected. Very connected because we see that this is a great and powerful God, but he's a God who has loved us. And we only love because God has first loved us. And when we know and have experienced, tasted and seen the goodness of this God's love for us, we are compelled to love him too. And when we love him, we want to obey him. We follow him. There's a problem because we don't always do that very well, do we? We don't always do that perfectly. And thank God he's a shepherd that doesn't just let his sheep run off. Run off to be killed by some wild animal. But he's a shepherd who comes after us. Brings us back. That even when the one sheep ran away, the shepherd goes out and brings him back to the other 99. And so Jesus, Jesus, God himself, takes on flesh, takes on humanity. He enters in as the good shepherd. And not only is he the good shepherd who comes and calls us back, but he's the good shepherd who takes the goad and the nails for us. Jesus, the firmly embedded word of God, the creator of all things, takes the nails through his hands and his feet takes the sharp point of the goad on his brow. He takes the penalty of our sin. He takes the wrath and the judgment, the warning of God that says, if you run away from me, there are consequences. He takes all of that and he does it in our place. And he says, now, if you will follow me, sheep, follow me as your shepherd. If you will follow me, children, then I will lead you through that valley of the shadow of death, and you will come out on the other side. You will come out with life, through the valley of the shadow of death with life. Jesus went through death himself and rose again victoriously. He conquered death, and he lives forever. Do you know that that's true, kids? Jesus lives forever in the same body that he came into this world by. Forever. In a body. He's real. And he promises for those of us who follow him as our shepherd, he will lead us to the same place. That even, even if we were to die here today, even if our bodies right now fail on us, he will lead us through the valley of the shadow of death and he will bring us to resurrection where he is right now. If you trust and obey him. If you follow this Jesus. Enjoy the good things of life right now. Kids, enjoy video games sometimes when your parents let you. Right? Enjoy playing with your friends. Adults, enjoy when you get a raise. When... when Things are going well at work. Enjoy when you have a good meal with friends at your table. Enjoy when you get to take part in the work that God has called you to do. But when things are going bad, when you're let go from work, when friends don't come around, when bills aren't getting paid, when people you love get sick, Hold on to the firmly embedded truth that God will lead you through that valley too. And he will lead you to a resurrection that is forever and that is good. 
he will lead you to those green pastures and those still waters. Fear God, keep his commandments because he's worthy of it. Let's pray. God, you are good, and we don't even know what that means. Uh, we, don't, we don't know the half of that. You are so far better than anything we can even picture or imagine. God, we, many of us in here have seen and experienced some of your goodness, but we are waiting for the day where we will experience all of you in your full glory and goodness. And we know that day is coming. God, I ask for anyone here, child or adult, who does not know that truth, who doesn't have that firmly embedded nail to grab onto, God, that you would reveal that to them, that you, as the good shepherd you are, would call them to yourself and bring them back in. God, that we would taste and see, that we would experience life with the good shepherd, a life that matters a life that has a point, that we get to experience this good God, to join in the work that you are doing. God, that we would love and fear you and that we would obey you. Let that be what our life is about. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.